Hawk to Hawk podcast. I'm your host, Eden Fritz-Aguire. In this podcast, I sit down with you Heart alum and see all of the amazing things Hawks do once they spread their wings and work to better their community. And this Hawk is a good one. Today, we have the pleasure of meeting Mari Reesberg. Mari is a therapist, creativity coach, performer, and host of the Sustaining Creativity podcast. She holds a BFA in acting from the University of Hartford's Hart School, where she graduated in 2004, and a master's degree in somatic counseling, psychology, dance movement therapy from Naropa University. Mari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Eden. It's so wonderful to be here and get to chat with you today and share a little bit about life since graduating from the Hart School in 2004. Awesome. Well, so I had the pleasure of getting to learn a bit about you before this podcast, and I got to see your incredible resume and just some of the amazing things that you get to do. But please tell us a little bit about your work as a creativity coach and what is your approach? Yeah, so my creativity coaching is probably the newest thing that I do in my life. But during, let's see, let me back up to May of 2019. I was doing my, um, actually, let me start even further back. Let's go back to 2013. <laughs> I'd been, um, I'd been working as a therapist in the hospital systems out here in Colorado. And I realized that I really wanted to get back into my performing arts and creative arts capacity. And so I started to combine my degrees in acting and psychology. And initially, it was very focused on supporting performers around sustaining creativity, how they can keep creativity alive in their life when they're not performing, when they're on the kind of hiatus from shows or the break in between shows. And so I started putting together a program for, again, specifically performers around that. It was all done through movement. So it was a very embodied experience of finding foundations of safety and trust to take creative risk from and then have that foundation to come back to once the creative expression or experience was done. And I was going around the country to various universities in their theater and dance departments as guest artists and sharing this work. And then we got to the pandemic and that kind of stopped, kind of, I wasn't able to go into the universities as I had been previously. And so I decided I wanted to continue the creativity conversations and I loved listening to podcasts. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start my own podcast with very, very limited knowledge of what it took to start a podcast or make a podcast or produce a podcast. So I got in touch with a friend of mine who is a sound engineer and was not doing anything because the performing arts had kind of had completely stopped. And so he and I were able to put our heads together and come up with a plan. And so I started interviewing people from around the world about creativity, what it means to them. And that turned into me exploring my own understanding and experience of creativity and took me to meeting my kind of creativity coach mentor, 
in who lives in South Africa and doing a creativity coaching training with him virtually and really digging into what it means to be creative, what creativity is, how we sustain it over our lifetime, how creativity is actually unlearned. And so wow. that's the world that kind of got me into creativity coaching. And my approach is I believe everyone is creative and creativity is a part of our everyday life, whether we are aware of it or not. Wow. That's deep. <laughs> I didn't realize how, and you said it and it really struck me. I didn't realize you could like unlearn creativity. That is so interesting. Yeah, there was a very large study that was done in 1978 by someone named George Land. He was a psychologist. He worked with NASA. And in 1978, he um, did a test group of 1,600 three to five-year-olds at a Head Start program. And he learned that the three to five-year-olds, 98% of them tested in the creative genius range. And then five wow. years later, he did the same test with the same 1600 children. So now they're 10 and right. it went from 98% to 32% tested as creative Whoa. geniuses. And then he did it again, five years later, it went from 38 or 32 to 12% when they were 15. And then he did a much larger study of 280,000 adults and the percentage of adults that tested in that creative genius space went down to 2%. So, holy cow. I know a big difference between five and adulthood. So, we unlearn creativity. And people have many, you know, beliefs about how we unlearn creativity. It happens in school or it happens with, you know, people only viewing creativity as being in the performing arts or creative arts and not seeing creativity as being in everything we do every day. So there's a little bit of the history around unlearned creativity. That's incredible. I mean, just based on everything you, you just explained to me, it is so clear that you are passionate and really love what you do. Um, what do you love most about the work that you do? Although uh, that might be a hard choice here. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a really hard question to answer because I love so much about it. But I think one of the pieces I love the most is working with someone who doesn't believe they are creative and working with them to the point where they start to turn the corner and recognize how creative they actually are, but how they had been viewing creativity was blocking them from accessing their own creativity in their life. Right. So I love those moments of insight or what you might call like a light bulb moment where the understanding of what creativity is and how it looks in their life shifts because we all have creative moments and we are all creative in very unique and different ways. And when we start looking at creativity through that lens, really amazing, magical, wonderful things can happen. And I like to say that creativity can change your life if you let it. That is so interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course. Now that we've kind of talked about 
how your creativity is kind of restricted as you get older. I'm just curious, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up and how does that align with your current career path? <laughs> well, as a small child, I I had the I ran the gamut of careers in my head. At one point, I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. At another point, I wanted to be a wedding coordinator. Oh, wow. Um, I always wanted to perform. I started performing when I was three. So that was a huge, huge part of my life, acting, singing, dancing. I did physical theater and aerial dance. And so performing was just like, I, I was bit by the performing bug and it has never gone away. But I think, you know, so being that performing has always been a part of my life, it still is, even though I'm not like a actor as a career, I do it when I have the time and for fun. I think all of the ideas of what I wanted to do and be were around helping other people and like supporting them and, you know, wedding coordinating, <laughs> you're helping a lot of people do yeah. stressful things. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, as a performer, you're helping people experience, have new experiences and learn new things about themselves and attend to their emotions. And, and as a therapist, I do that. That's a huge part of what I do as a dance movement therapist as well. So, so I think while it may not have that linear connected line, it makes sense in my head that what I wanted to be <laughs> as a kid, I'm doing some of it as an adult. Absolutely. Well, that is just incredible. And now that we've kind of seen that aspect of your life, which I think is so neat, um, when I was doing my research about you, I saw on your website, it says that you have designed and executed dialectical behavioral therapy programs for hospital settings, clinics, and have had the privilege of supporting therapy interns in an addiction recovery facility. And I, I just am curious how you fell into this line of work and how you got involved with this. Yeah, it's a great question. After I graduated from the Hart School, I moved to New York City and lived there for three years and sang with an Irish band and was a nanny and worked at a restaurant and did all of the like young, early, moved to New York to be an actor adventures. And I, I don't, I may have one of those welcoming faces because people started telling me their life stories wherever I could be in a cab, I could be getting my nails done, I could be at a bar and people would just tell me their life stories. I remember one night, it was probably 2 a.m. I was at a diner with friends having, you know, food after we'd been out. And this woman walked up to our table and said, I'm a recovering alcoholic on day 163. I really need to sit down and have a cup of coffee and talk to someone. Can I join you? And I, wow. in that moment, was like, sure, sit down, <laughs> talk, why not? Um, and that was a big moment for me in realizing, oh, I really enjoy listening to people's stories, helping them out, talking to them. But I knew I didn't want it to be the traditional kind of talk therapy. And so that's when I was introduced to the creative arts therapies, like music therapy, drama therapy, dance therapy, art therapy. Um, there's more. Um, and 
there are only a handful of schools in the United States that offer a master's in dance movement therapy. And so that's, it felt like the most connected to me. Movement has always been a huge part of my life. I feel like movement has the capacity to help you shift and change big things. Um, when our body changes, our mind changes. And so that was kind of how I fell into the line of work. But I, um, I always thought that I was going to work with like adults around play and kids. And that is not what I have done at all. I have worked in hospital settings with borderline personality disorder, <laughs> which is a very big departure from what I had thought I was going to do. But I really enjoy the structure and the skill set that dialectical behavioral therapy offers and the transformations that can happen. And I think DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy for short, um, has the capacity to really support everyone. It's not just for people who are in therapy. It's like life skills. You're learning how to be in the present moment, regulate your emotions, communicate effectively, making it through challenging situations without making the situation worse. So there are skills that I practice in my own life on a daily basis and skills that have proven to help others really transform their life and give them the life that they want and a life that they feel is worth living. Um, and I'm trying to think like I've also worked in the addiction field and I run a internship program for um, master's students who are completing their master's degree and stepping into the field of therapy. And I love doing that. I love teaching. I love supporting new clinicians to gain the skills and tools to head out into the world to support people in this mental health field and addiction field, which is not easy and not slowing down. And when many fields um, kind of stopped or halted during the pandemic, um, the mental health and addiction field sped up and right. was busier than ever before. So, um, so that kind of, that's kind of how I fell into it, but I, I don't know that I would be here if I didn't have the background in performing and in creativity, um, because I, I think so much creativity goes into being a therapist and goes into supporting other people to solve problems, to navigate life, that make it through challenges that we all experience that are really difficult. Definitely. Well, that that is all wonderful. And thank you for explaining that. The next few questions. So are sponsored by our wonderful friends over in the Office of Career and Professional Development. So now that we've kind of talked about that professional, you know, aspect of your life, I kind of want to look back at your time at UHeart and see how it's kind of influenced you. Um, were there any events, resources, or classes that you took part in at UHeart? that played a particular role in your career or anything that, you know, that you can think of? I think there are a lot, but as I reflect on this, I am reminded in my last year of college, I 
sought out therapy at the counseling department and to have available free therapy for students was such a gift and so necessary for me getting through college. And so I think that was a huge resource um, as a student to be able to have an unbiased opinion, you know, person to talk to right. while navigating the stress and challenge of what it is to get a BFA in a performing art university and school where our structure is really different than kind of a typical university structure schedule maybe. Um, so that was a huge asset <laughs> to have available. And I, and I think all of the, you know, performing arts classes that I had, the movement classes that I took really I learned so much because I was then able to build on it in my master's degree, like all of the Laban or Bartinioff, you know, work that we did in our movement classes in college, I still use today in the work that I do as a dance movement therapist. And, um, and I think just being comfortable being in front of people really helped me because I do a lot of presentations, I right. am on panels at conferences and being able to talk to people about things and feel confident and comfortable. I think literally all of the classes I took <laughs> helped me <laughs> or better prepared me for the things that I do today. That is so cool. And I can't tell you how badly I now want to register for a movement course for next semester. <laughs> that is so neat. Wow. You should. It's so fun. <laughs> Definitely. I'll have to look into it. That's really interesting. So going off of that, I'd love to see how have your goals and expectations for your career changed since you were in college? Is there anything that you would wish you had known when you were a student at UHeart? Oh, there's always things I <laughs> wished I had known for sure. Um, I think the goals and expectations for my career 100% have changed. <laughs> I'm not pursuing acting as a full-time job or career, um, but I, I think my goals and expectations, they, they may not have been really based in reality of the reality of the performing arts and how challenging it is and what you have to sacrifice to be a part of it. And I think very early on, I learned that I didn't want to sacrifice those things that I may have needed to, to really make it quote unquote in the theater and acting world at the level I thought I should be at. Now I live in Colorado. I audition for things when I want to, I am able to, you know, have a very different relationship to performing and acting and singing and dancing than I think I did when I was a student or just newly out of college. Um, so I think that what I wish I would have known when I was a student, um, I think I wish I would have known a little more of the business side of things. Um, I feel I got a really solid understanding of how to be a performer and those skills and tools are 
invaluable and translate to so many other things that I do. But the business side of things would have been very, very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I I definitely do believe that. Um, A lot of what you just said, I think, is going to go perfectly with this last question. As you know, we are in graduation season for college students and, you know, high school students as well who are going to be working their way up to college soon. Um, So I think this last question will really help everyone here. But do you have any advice for students nearing graduation that aren't sure they want to pursue a career in their major? Well, first of all, it's so normal. Like, Mm -hmm. don't freak out. (laughs) It is okay. (laughs) It's okay. We sometimes we need a break. When I graduated from grad school with my master's, I went and worked at a coffee shop and did nothing with therapy or anything like that because I needed a full on vacation from the amount of work and how hard I'd been working to get through my program. So take a break. It's okay to go put cream cheese on a bagel (laughs) if you need to, or work at a flower shop and do something so different from what you just went to school for. It is also okay to find a job in the major you just graduated in or a career in that field. It really depends on what you need for you to move forward. And it's okay to try new things. Like you don't have to go right into a career in the field that you got your major in unless you want to. Like there are so many careers out there that I had never even heard of when I graduated, never even heard of. So it's okay to explore. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to not know what you want to do. I think part of that is really normal as well. You've just spent four years really focused on one thing or a couple things. And now there's a big transition that you're stepping into. So I guess the best advice, go get a therapist so you can talk (laughs) it out with them and figure out what you want to do and, you know, doing it for yourself for the first time, as opposed to doing it for someone else, I think is a really important piece to start to wrap your head around as you step into this new phase of your life. Mari, that was such great advice. Thank you so, so much. It has been so incredible getting to speak with you today. If the listeners can't get enough of you, where can they go to learn more about you? Oh my goodness. Well, they can go to my website, sustainingcreativity.com. You can listen to the Sustaining Creativity podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, These are not sponsors. These are just where you can (laughs) listen to it. Spotify. Um, I just hit my three-year mark on my podcast. So three years. Thank you so much. Yes, there are 180 episodes available so far. You can listen to people talk about creativity. I'm on all the social medias at Sustaining Creativity. I love to talk to people about creativity. So if you have creativity questions, um, don't hesitate. Reach out. If you want to be a guest on my podcast, reach out. I love to talk to people. And yeah, that's where you can find me and listen to all the wonderful, fun things that I do. Awesome. Well, thank you again for coming on today. 
It has been such an honor to get to chat with you. It has been my pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was great to revisit my time at UHeart and thank you for the invitation. Anytime. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Hawk to Hawk podcast. You can also find us on all podcast streaming platforms and on the University of Hartford's website. Mari Reesberg, I'm Eden Fritz-Aguire. We'll see you next time.